Welcome to the Property CEO Podcast, your inside track to the world of property with your hosts, Ian Child and Richie Clapson. And welcome to the Property CEO Podcast. My name's Ian Child and I'm here with Richie Clapson. Hello, everybody. And in this episode, we're going to be looking at how best to structure your property business, aren't we, Richie? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's not just about uh, property business either. This can apply to any business that you might set up. Plus, uh, don't forget, you know, if you have a property business, even if you just got one buy to let uh, in, in your own name, it's still a business. Even if it's not a limited company, Absolutely. so we need to be thinking that way. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, looking uh, forward to get your insight on that. So uh, so what have we been up to this week? Well, we've been filming a, a new training course, of course, which has oh, been yes. uh, exciting, hasn't it? That's most, been interesting. Most certainly has. I think we could be BAFTA material next Ooh. year. I really feel it. That, that last module we did where the industrial conversion kind of fades to a sea of red poppies <laughs> gently waving in the breeze, it was... I was really emotional. You feeling all right? Yeah, I, I think so. Although, do you know, now you mention it, I've been having a few out-of-body experiences recently. Really? Hmm. Well, how do you mean? Well, it's like I've somehow drifted into a, a parallel universe, which is kind of almost exactly like the normal universe, except that some things are just, I don't know, inexplicably weird and different. Blimey. So when did hmm. this happen? Well, do you know, I've worked out it only ever happens when I'm in your office at your home. Really? You're kidding. No, seriously. Come on, should I be worried? No, every time I go around to yours, it's like something happens that just makes me think something's just, I don't know, just not quite right. But um, I've been thinking about it, and I think I now know what it is. What is it then? It's your posh air freshener. My posh air freshener? Yeah. That Glade monstrosity you've got in your office. <laughs> well, what's posh about it? Well, it's electronic for a start, and it's it's triggered by a motion sensor, both of which are completely overkill in the world of air <laughs> freshening. And, and you placed it right by my head. So every time I move, I get sprayed with this, I don't know, chemical mist that smells like fabric conditioner. Is, is, is that why you just sit still all the time? I mean, I always wondered. I mean, you're sat there like your head doesn't move when you speak. I mean, seriously, if I move an inch, it squirts me. <laughs> and if I look at it, it squirts me. Be honest, you put it there on purpose, didn't you? You, you, you moved it there, especially, um, you know, whenever I come round. And, you know, it only squirts when I go near it. It never, ever squirts when you go near it. I reckon it's it's got a vendetta. Uh, I think you may be overthinking it a little bit. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a fantastic addition to the office. You know, very, very refreshing, in my opinion. Really? I'd, I'd probably find it a bit more refreshing if it didn't spray chemicals directly into my eyes. But anyway, I reckon I'm, I'm getting a, a kind of build-up of whatever chemicals they, they have in Autumn Breeze or whatever flavour it's called. I think that one's called Swiss Mist. <laughs> it's, a, it's not at all weird... Is it? You actually know the name of the scent Swiss in your automatic mist. air freshener. <laughs> you see, that's exactly the sort of stuff that happens around at your house. It's just a bit odd. It's one of my favourite smells. Anyway, let's let's get back to this out-of-body experience that uh, you, you keep mentioning. What's happening there then? Uh, you know, if if I've got it right, you think that I'm purposely drugging you with Glade and then you, then you start hallucinating? Is this is what I don't is know. happening? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult to explain. Well, give me an example. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so a few weeks ago, we'd uh, we'd met in your office, uh, which, which I should explain is is in a separate building to your to your your main house. And I, I I thought, you know, on my way out as I was leaving, I just put my head into the house to say goodbye to your uh, your good lady wife. Oh, you did, did you? I did. Who <laughs> I have to say is uh, a completely rational person and not in the slightest bit weird. Well, they say opposites attract. Exactly, they? exactly. So. I'm walking through the house and I can hear a TV on in, in one of the rooms. So I knock on the door and I push it open. And there in the middle of the floor was your wife painting a giant gnome <laughs> in a Father Christmas suit. <laughs> My wife was wearing a Father Christmas suit. I mean, blimey, I haven't, I haven't seen that in a few years. No, no, no. no, no the, the gnome was wearing the Christmas suit. So she said she was changing it from a, Hawaii, uh, a Hawaiian gnome to a, a Santa gnome, apparently. Yeah. And I'm not being funny, this gnome was absolutely massive. I reckon um, we could have got it into one of your suits. It must have been about, I don't know, three foot tall. That's pretty tall for a gnome, isn't it? So I'm thinking, I've already had about eight squirts of glade <laughs> in your office. So Swiss mist. Is this really happening? Did I really see my business partner's wife painting uh, a giant gnome on her living room floor? Or did I just imagine it? Perhaps if I, I kind of come out and close the door and then open it again... The gnome will be gone and she'll just be kind of sitting quietly watching the telly. Ah. And then I start thinking, am I safe to drive home? Is there a, a legal limit to the amount of glade that you can consume before you're unfit to drive? I don't think, to be fair, that glade will be a deciding factor in your case. I think, uh, I think you're just uh, unfit to drive generally. <laughs> <laughs> That's my opinion. Thanks. <laughs> so what do, you, uh, what do you think now? Was it, was it real, the gnome? Oh, I don't know. I'm in two minds. I mean, it's... It seemed real. I mean, we, we exchanged a few pleasantries, uh, but after a while, it was difficult to you know, ignore the elephant in the room. I thought you said it was a gnome. Oh, don't start. But I, I, I remember asking your good lady why it was that she was painting an oversized Christmas gnome. And what did she say to that then? Well, she said that your family always exchanges gnomes at Christmas. Well, they are then. A perfectly straightforward answer. I mean, you weren't obviously clearly under any influence of Glade at, but, at all. But wasn't I? I mean, how many families do you know who exchange three feet gnomes at Christmas? What exactly do you do with them? Are you, are you kind of building a, a secret army of clats and gnomes? I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm still not convinced. I didn't dream it. You know, I think you've got a bit of a conspiracy theory going on out there. I mean, perhaps uh, you're under a, you know, a bit too much stress maybe recently. What do, do you know, think? I, I, I may have been. I may have been. Well, look, let me put your mind at rest. The Glade isn't poisonous. It's completely harmless. Really? Yeah, and plus it's not a motion sensor. It's not? No, it just goes off when it detects an unpleasant smell. Okay. Oh, well, that's, that, that's a relief. Uh, what about the what about the, uh, the name? Yeah, you totally imagined that. You must be well mad. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about there. <laughs> well, that's not great, is it? Are you thinking that maybe I should, I don't know, take it easy for a while? Let you take more of the uh, the strain at work? So that I can get myself kind of, you know, sorted. No, no, I think you should uh, bury yourself in work and try to take uh, take your mind off it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Talking of which, I guess we should probably get started on what we're, uh, we're really here for, which is talk about business structures, shouldn't we? Absolutely. So uh, we're going to uh, we're going to get in today is uh, how to structure your property business. So hopefully it's going to be quite interesting. And hopefully, uh, <laughs> it better be. <laughs> People listen this far. <laughs> What I want to do is, is talk about two areas, and I want to talk about business plan and then the structure of your business, um, particularly associated with property development. So let's talk about business plan uh, first of all. Now, it's really essential that you have a business plan before you start your business. Uh, now, you might read this a lot and think, well, yeah, okay, but I just want to get into it. I don't really know where I'm going or what I'm doing. But let me ask you this. 
would you go on holiday without a plan? I mean, have you ever just turned up at the airport, uh, or not even known what airport you're going to go to, just decided to get on a plane, see where it ends up, get out with some bags, and then think, oh, I'll go stay there. What a great know. idea, though. Got to say, one, one Got to do it, yeah. Just got to do, do it. it. Well, especially once you've been hallucinating on on Swiss <laughs> mist, glade air pressure. But you don't. You don't do that. And, and would you buy a car without a plan? No, you you, you wouldn't. You well, know, you wouldn't. You, you need a you need an estate because you've got a dog. You need a hatchback. You need whatever because you've got kids. You've got to get child seats in. You know, you need a roof rack. You you need whatever you need uh, with a car. So you put out a plan, you map it out, and you go out and buy the car. So why on earth would you actually think about starting a business? which has potentially got a massively uh, financial upside and, of course, downside with, with risk if, if it went wrong, why would you even think about starting a business without a plan? So the first thing I'd say, it's absolutely essential that you have a business plan in any business that you start. And we've said this before, uh, property is not just a strategy. And a lot of people get educated in a, in a property strategy, but they forget they're running a business. And it is all about running a business. Even if you just own one property, you are running a business. Now, the first thing out of any business plan that, that I would want you to think about is your purpose. Uh, we've talked in previous, pod, previous podcasts about your why, you know, mm. and, and, and it's the same thing. You know, why are you doing this? What's in it for you personally? What's in it for you as a company? So just think about those things. You know, a lot of people uh, you know, leave their job. They decide to, to come out of employment and start their own property business. But why? What's the reasons? What's the purpose? What are you are you trying to achieve? It goes back to uh, some previous discussions we've had about goal setting. Really important. If you've not listened to that podcast, go and listen to that again. Because, you know, your purpose, uh, you know, you need to get somewhere or achieve something. You're trying to have more time with the family. Then you've got to set goals around that to achieve it. You know, what's what's in it for for maybe a joint venture or a business partner? I've seen a lot of people come together in property, they joint venture, but actually their purposes are very very different. You know, what if one of them wants to work for you know part time for five years and give up, and the other one says, "No, I want to work absolutely flat out for the next fifteen years, um, and I, I never want to give up." What if one wants to hold property and one wants to sell? Yeah. So you've, you've got to have your purposes aligned. That's really, really important. Your why or your purpose has got to have some alignment to it. And you should start there because actually I've seen a lot of people who, you know, they perhaps leave their job because they want to work less hours. Well, certainly I can tell you when you start a new business in the early days, you're probably going to work more. Yeah. The, the key, I think, a lot of this is actually do you enjoy them and it's more flexibility. What you don't have in a job is flexibility. So if you've got children at school and you want to do the sports days and things like that, you can't easily do that in a job. When you run your own business, you have a lot more flexibility. And, you know, you, you end up, hopefully, if you get your purpose aligned, you're doing something you really enjoy. So sitting down in the evening for a couple of hours doing something is is, is good. It's, you quite enjoy it all the weekend. And also your partner will often support you because actually the, the, the more effort you put in is a direct result of what you get out. Unlike a job, you could Absolutely put more and right. more hours in. Yeah. You don't necessarily get paid anymore. So get your purpose absolutely nailed down of what you're wanting to achieve. And that's, this can include the financial returns that you're expecting. You know, what am I expecting out of this? And we're going back to this goal setting stuff. Unless you write it down, you're never going to achieve it. Yeah. I think so, a lot of people actually think that um, if they're starting their own business, potentially it's a way for them ultimately to to become wealthier than they would be if they're working for somebody else. But if you all you've got is this kind of vague aspiration that at some point in the future you might be wealthy, then you know, really that's not a goal. 
No, and, and, and you know, I, I don't think wealth is, is, is a massively big driver. You know, there, there is a point in life where you have sufficient money to do what you want. And I've seen some very, very wealthy people who are very unhappy. Yeah. So this is where this purpose is really, really important. Uh, I would question anyone if their purpose was solely based around, I've got to make 10 million in 10 years. Well, then what are you going to do? It's a means yeah. to an end, isn't it? The, the money's yeah. got, the people got to be there for something. You're not going to sit there and look at it. Yeah. And I think for the biggest, the biggest thing for those people that I think have been most successful running their businesses is they love this benefit of, of, of having the ability to buy time, whether that's the flexibility of time, uh, whether it's the ability to work from home, whether it's the ability to uh, get rid of the stuff they don't want. So they, they, they bring additional employees in, they take a little bit less money, but they buy more time back as their business yeah. grows and progresses. But of course, if you, don't, if you don't write that purpose down, you never know what you're aiming at or what you're trying to do. And the important thing is you keep coming back to that purpose. So I have a purpose written down and, 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 I, and I look at it and, and then I come back to it. And if I want to change something, I change something. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, as, as a business before we started uh, Property CEO, um, I permanently worked at home and uh, I have an office down the bottom of the garden. And one of my purposes was to only ever work at home. Now, as, as the business group, we decided that we needed an office and to work together. And that was important. So I had to go back and reassess my purpose and decide, yeah, I did want to do that. So I sacrificed working from home permanently uh, for actually the benefits it would give us in the business and, 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 and I'm tempted to say the joy of working together. But I'm well, not sure. I won't say that. I'm tempted to say it, but I won't. But you, the one of us feels that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it is. You know, when, when we're working on this business, it's great to better work in it the is. same office and, work and bounce off of each other. So for me... I was able to go back, and it's like any plan. Your your why, your purpose is a plan, uh, and I was to able to reevaluate it and decide. No, I think I'm willing to change that. Because it's, it's same with you know, if you go out to buy a car and someone offers you something different, well, you can go. Well, actually, does that work? Actually, it works slightly better. Yeah, I think I will have that that model yeah. or whatever it might be. So now your purpose. The second thing is vision, and vision's really important. What are the plans for the company? What will it look like? What does your role look like? So what are you actually actually doing? And how maybe will others see your company? And, and, and vision, a lot of people have vision statements. A lot of big companies go mm -hmm. onto the web, you'll see them. A lot of companies have vision statements. And that's really important, whether it's something you put out there. Although often I know, as, as you said, Ian, on a lot of mindset stuff with goal setting, if you put your vision out there and, and, and set it down, you're more likely to stick to it and, and adhere to it because you've put it out in the marketplace. Absolutely. Everybody knows what it is. Yeah. So you've got to do it. So I think it's really important that, that you understand what the whole thing looks like as you're going forward, particularly this role, because I've seen so many people who, who start their own business, whether it's property or whatever, and then they go, I'm just not enjoying it. I've just got myself another job. And, and they're now a slave to the business. And you don't have to be. It's a matter of if you understand business and if you don't get yourself educated, structuring a business in the right way so you can leverage your time. It's all about leverage mm. and get other people to do stuff that you don't need to do. So sub, sub stuff out, whether it's virtual assistants or permanent employees, you can sub stuff out and get the vision of the role and the job that you want to do. So if you really want to be the creative person in the business, but you don't want to be the detail person, Hire a detail person or get a business partner as a detail person. If you're the detail person, but you're not the front man or woman that wants to go out there and you never see yourself doing that, then then actually try and hire or team up with a front man or front lady. I think that's that's massively important. And I think it's a, an issue that affects a lot of um, entrepreneurs when they first start in business, because, of course, when you start a business, uh, money's tight. 
uh, you, there's quite often it's just you and you're the one that's doing everything. And yes. you can very easily get into that place where you, you, you become accustomed to the fact that you have to do everything. Uh, and as we've talked about in one of our previous episodes, um, the whole issue of being able to outsource, um, whether it's outsourcing stuff for yourself personally or outsourcing, outsourcing stuff for work, there is a whole industry out there that you can leverage um, quite cost effectively. You don't necessarily need to hire half a dozen people into the company. You can actually just do it piecemeal, bring outsourcing into your business and then free up your time. Um, so a really good point. Take a step back from what you're doing and reimagine yourself, you know, what is my dream job here? Not necessarily what it is yeah. even today. I mean, I could give you a really good example here, which is, you know, bookkeeping. I mean, in our business, we outsource our bookkeeping. We do. We have a, a yeah. lovely team that do it. They, I think they enjoy doing it. It's what the, it's obviously what they want to do as a job. Yeah. I can do it. You can do it. I, I think it's the most boring oh, thing in the world. Yeah. And it's not a great use of our time. No. And we don't enjoy it. No. So outsource that and at the, the the hourly rate we can outsource it pay someone a decent rate we we can do stuff even if we're even if we're earning less proud doesn't matter we're doing stuff we want so this is about this vision as you say and if you're not there to start with where do you want to get to mm. and when do you want to get there by yeah. so really important with your vision and, and and that needs to be absolutely clear so you've got a clear direction and a clear focus for your business now for me those are the two most important things in any business plan your purpose and your vision now, a business plan will contain lots of other stuff. So there's there's lots of actions in there, and there's normally lots of numbers. Yep. So numbers there are are to measure and monitor against. So I'm trying to achieve this amount of turnover or profitability or sales or whatever it is within a certain time, five years, three years, three months, whatever you're trying to do. So you have uh, key performance indicators, KPIs, they're often called, on numbers, and you can monitor against that, and that's fine. And, of course, then there's a whole series of actions which go against those numbers and against that vision and that purpose. So those are there to achieve your goals, your vision, your purpose, and, and get to those numbers. So those are the results. And I quite like a, a one-page business plan or business plan on a page. There's, there's loads out there. You can Google it. It's something that we teach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not, it's not new. It's not rocket science. We didn't invent it. But for me, it's the best way because you have your whole business plan. There could be backup information, but you have the whole thing on one sheet of paper. Oh, it's really powerful. So easy to do, yeah. and you have it on the wall. Because the important thing is, it's 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 a benchmark, uh, it's a roadmap, as people would say, to follow. So if you go, if you're going on a holiday, you're going on a road trip, you know where you want to go. Nothing stopping you taking a detour, thinking, oh, that's an interesting castle over there. We'll we'll stop over and have a night here. What's the implications? Oh, we better cancel the hotel at the next next night, and and so on. So you go back and, and you, you look at your plans and you adjust them. So there's no problem adjusting them and benchmarking against what you're doing. So on a business, five-year business plan, you know, at 12 months, are you, you know, achieving those goals, hitting those actions? Are you, are you a fifth of the way through on what it is you're perceived to do? If you're not, which bit do you need to adjust? So it's a working document. And the one-page business plan, uh, that we certainly ones that we adopt, and I think a lot out there are the same, they have monthly actions. Yeah. I like a handwritten one-page because it's very simple and it concentrates the mind. And every month you've got to pick your business plan off the wall because I always have it stuck in the wall in front of me, and then you've got to readjust it again. So it's not one of these big, thick documents that goes in the drawer and just stays in there. So really important, it, a one-page business plan, I think, is the answer, but nail your purpose and your vision first of all. So that's it on business plan. Fantastic. So you said at the start that uh, business plan was uh, number one, 
And then you said about the structure of your business was the uh, was the second key. Aspect. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, st- structuring your your business, but with an emphasis on the property business. Okay. okay. Uh, and when I uh, when we set out the, at the beginning of this podcast, I said, you know, even if you're a sole trader, effectively you have have a business. Uh, particularly if you're going to get into property, you want to be thinking about a company and setting up a, a company, or, you know, yeah. a, a registered company, a limited liability company. And there's lots of reasons you, you want to do that. One, the clue's in the title. It's got limited liability. A lot of people won't understand what that means. Well, what that means is, is you're limiting your liability, your exposure, should something go wrong, to, to the value of your share capital. So people can't actually pursue you individually. So if you're a sole trader... Uh, and you're offering a service, and you make a fundamental mistake. Uh, let's say you're a, you're an accountant, and you make a fundamental mistake, and someone's got their numbers wrong, and then they're sued by the revenue. You've got the ability to go back to that accountant and pursue them. Now, you can only pursue them if they've got a limited company, up to the limit of of the value of their company. You can't go to them personally. You can't go and take their house off of them. Where if they're a sole trader, you could. Now, a lot of people have insurance to cover this off, but it's all about uh, limiting your liability and controlling your business. Now, hopefully, most people, you know, you're never going to get in a problem. You're never going to run away from a business anyway because you just get a bad reputation for doing that. But it does give you this ability just to think differently of how you do stuff. And the other thing is everyone will think differently about you. You will look far more professional as an image if you've got a company because a lot of people will say, okay, uh, you know, what's the name of your company? They try and look you up. Oh, you haven't got a company. Now, the great thing about a company, a limited liability company, is you have to divulge your your information. So you're actually out there in the public domain. You can go to a company's house. You can see your 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 registered address, your correspondence address, who you are. Probably see your date of birth if you want to know. Mine's mine's quite young. I was only born in the seventies, um, and uh, <laughs> you don't believe that for sure. <laughs> we um, have an episode actually called the Time Machine. Which I think yeah, I could do with that. To use. Uh, and of course, you know, you publish your accounts. It's limited information, but your your accounts are published out there, so people can actually see you exist and your proper bona fide business. Yeah. Whereas if you're a sole trader, you don't have to publish anything, yeah. so no one knows anything about you. So this professional image is really important, particularly when it comes to raising funds. Yes. I can tell you that you will not, or I say you're not. I think actually I can probably say I say if not, very very unlikely that you're going to get any commercial funder lend you money as a sole trader. They want to they want to lend it to a company because the other thing about a company, you can't own a company uh, or take control of a company unless you, you know, you clear a company's house and you've got you've got all the right credentials. So if you've been struck off, you've had other problems, you won't get a company. You cannot be a director. So there's there's a great sort of standing, if you like, uh, you know, in the industry that you've actually been able to be a director of a company. And, and the, uh, the funders will want to lend to a company, so they will not lend to a sole, sole trader. So you have to have a company. So really important to, to be thinking about that. Then I want to move on to, to a group holding company. And, uh, and again, a lot of people might go, well, what is, what is that? What's, what's all that about? Well, I guess a lot of people have seen um, company names, that so-and-so holdings limited and all the rest of it. They come, they've, they've seen it. Um, do you want to just explain maybe what a holding company is? Yeah, well, the holding company is... Is I suppose the clue again is in the title. It's a company that can hold other companies. So what it can have, it can have uh, in its control uh, a series of other companies underneath it. So if you, uh, let's say you own several businesses. So, you know, you might own a, a shop, you might own, a, I don't know, a dentistry, you might own a consultancy practice, or you might own a, a small garage. A lot of people own several businesses out there. 
You could own all those companies individually, that's for sure. Or you could actually have a holding company that actually owns all those companies individually. So you've got one company that you and maybe your family own over the top. Uh, you can have your children involved and shareholders and so on. So you and your family. And then you hold shares in all those other companies. It sort of puts them all under one big umbrella. Okay. You know, so it's like a controlling uh, thing over the whole lot. There's lots of uh, sort of business and tax advantages in being able to to move money legitimately. This is it's not a, it's not a, a fix, but legitimately move money between various parts of of the companies underneath the holding company. So you can move money around, uh, particularly when they're relevant and they're, they're associated companies. Uh, I'm obviously got to with all this stuff. You've got to take your your accountant's advice. Yeah. But this is particularly important in property development um, because you want to have uh, all your interests in one company overall and individual developments into individual companies. And I'm going to talk about SPVs in a minute. Yeah. So it's really important that, you, that you've got a holding company and then you can have all these individual setups uh, underneath it. Now, uh, you know, that's, that's really, really important to do. So if we talk about SPVs, what it, 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 probably a lot of people have heard of SPVs, but they're thinking, well, what's an SPV? It's a special purpose vehicle. That's what it stands for. It's actually just a, another company. So take take all the smoke and mirrors out of it. It's just another limited company. Fundamentally, it's no different. And you get excited because it's got the word vehicle in it. Yeah, I love it because it's got vehicle. It doesn't say sports vehicle, but it's, no, it's got an S on the end, SPVs. Yeah. So uh, what it is, you set up a, an SPV for a development project just for the duration of the project. And that's often why it's called a special purpose vehicle because it only has one purpose. It's there to run a development through and at the end of the development, when it's all sold off, you paid off the contractor's final retention, you close the company down and it's gone. So it's not your long-term vehicle that you and your family or whatever are going to hold and run for five, ten years. They just run for short periods. Why do we do that? What's, what's the point? Because obviously there's extra paperwork in setting up extra companies. Well, again, it's about limiting the risk. So let's uh, let's try and uh, paint this picture. If you've got a, a holding company, so this is your overall company, and you've got three developments on the go. If you held all of those sites all in one company, so you'd purchased them, you'd borrowed all the money through one company, yeah. um, and there was a problem with one of those sites uh, out of your control, and the funders wanted to come back in and take control because they have step-in rights they've now got they're coming in they've got some element of control or it gets very complicated over the whole of your company so one job one one development could bring everything else to humbling down yeah could bring your other developments which are working perfectly fine and maybe the rest of your company and everything else all your cash reserves all tumbling down because of a problem in one company so it's it's the first thing you can do is it limits risk it puts each individual development in its own little pocket, in its own little home, where its investment is put into that business, the the, the, the commercial funding is, is dedicated to that business, the site's bought in that business, everyone's employed through that business. And and it sits there as a, as a single vehicle. So it has no connection with any of the other sites. So from a, a damage limitation perspective, if there was a problem on that one particular SPV, your other SPVs wouldn't be affected no absolutely that, that's it you, you you effectively ring fence it to keep yeah. it to one side um the other thing is in terms of shareholding and joint venture partners so imagine if you're doing all three developments in your own company but actually you had a fourth development you wanted to bring on and you had a, a partner who said well I'd, I'd love to invest with you i'd like mm-hmm. to go 50 50 how are they going to do that are they going to come in and own part of your company yeah 
what what percentage of shares do they have in your company because they want to extract their money out through probably dividends and shares oh well they can't do that because it's complicated because you've got they don't actually want the liability of all your other projects so it's very complicated to bring in joint venture partners whereas if you can imagine if it's an individual company and you wanted to go 50 50 your joint venture partner can own 50 percent of the spv of that particular development and the other 50% can be owned by your group holding company. Not you individually, yep. but by your group holding company. So your group holding company can hold 100% or varying percentages in other companies. And of course that, I mean, again, one for your accountant to advise you on. But obviously that can be much more tax efficient, can't it? When you're taking uh, profits, instead of paying them directly to yourself out of the SPV, because the SPV is owned by your holding company, the profits go up. Yeah, you, the, you can uh, you can take money out, you can charge money to it, all, all very legitimately. Because the important thing is you're not taking the money out of the company. Yeah. You're taking it out of the SPV into the holding company. But if you don't need to take, obviously, if you've got to take the money out to, to, to live on and spend, you're going to be paying either, you know, corporation tax or dividend or PAY. So you're going to be paying tax in there somewhere. But if you don't have to take it out, you can leave it within the business, but move it from the SPV up. Yeah. Now, I, I would stress, you know, Please, please, please discuss this with your accountant. Um, you know, we're we're trying to give you an idea of the principles of this. Don't take this as a certain advice. It's not advice. Everyone's no. position is slightly different, Don't and so tell the revenue that Richie told you you've you got to do it. Yeah, and then chase <laughs> me down. But no, you know, do speak with your accountant because everyone's situation is slightly different, and there may be reasons why you don't want to do it. Now, one of the other really, really key important things about SPVs is getting this commercial funding. We talked about if you don't have a company, you're not going to get funding anyway. Commercial funders only want to invest in in what they would call a clean company. And that was quite an interesting one for me when I first started in um, in development because you kind of think that one of the things that's quite important to you generally or you things you worry about is maybe a lack of experience, a lack of credibility and, and, and so on. So you'd kind of think that um, dealing with a, a mature business, a property development company that's done lots of projects, would actually be a good thing. But actually, in this case, it's uh, they don't view it that way at all, do they? Well, no, not in terms of the company. Uh, what they want to see in the holding company is is that the holding company they've got sure. some experience and expertise, and they want to see that the SPV has the right associated people with it. So our model of, of uh, you can be the property CEO, you can run and control the business, but you have a non-exec advisor. Who's, who is technically proficient in the business and you have all your professionals working with you and, and, and they're there to support you, that gives the credibility in terms of the SPV. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they want the SPV clean because what they don't want is should there be a problem, and say all funders have step-in rights, so should there be a problem, they, they want to better protect their money. So if they had to come in and take control of your company, which, do you know, I've, I've, well, I don't, in all my years, I've never seen it happen, um, but, but in theory they could, they don't want to be burdened by a whole load of tax bills that you've not paid or a whole load of other problems associated with other parts of the business they have no interest in. Yeah. So funders really like a very clean, simple structure to get involved in. So an SPVs are great for that. I mean, there are other, other great advantages. You know, it keeps all your bank accounts simple. So all the money that flows through the SPV is just associated with that project. It keeps all your VAT returns, all your bookkeeping very, very simple. There's a little bit of extra cost, but it's such a simple model to, to, to actually form. So I think it's a sort of a summary of that structuring your business. Really important to have a company and really important to think about this method of group holding. And, and if you're not sure, go and talk to your accountant and you know, tell them what you're trying to do. Uh, I'd like to think about setting up a group holding company and, and SPVs underneath it to do my developments. What would that mean to me? What's the advantages and what's the disadvantages? And then you can have a, a good discussion around it. Fantastic. 
Richie, thank you so much for that. Um, I think if I was to just pick on a few areas there that, uh, that struck a chord, um, one for me was the going back to the business plan about nailing your purpose yeah. and vision uh, to start with, and then being able to kind of monitor your progress against the plan. I think the mistake that a lot of businesses make is, first of all, they don't do the, 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 the one-page business plan. They do a much more complicated one. Yeah. And as a result, it takes longer, it's very complicated, and they put it in a drawer, and then, and then it's done. And, um, and, and they don't pay attention to it again. Whereas if you've got it uh, on the wall, in front of you, day in, day out, you can, you know, it's organic, it changes, you can move, you can, you can follow it, much more likely to make your goals a reality, I think. So that's, uh, that's, a, that's a critical one. Uh, going on to the, uh, the business structure, uh, absolutely, the group holding company um, principle, very interesting, very useful, and that ability to be able to hold your shares in, in other companies under that umbrella is, is obviously very flexible. Yep. But as, as we both kind of laboured the point, um, with accountancy and corporate structure, basically you don't know what you don't know. And so getting in front of a good accountant, uh, particularly one, if you can, who's got property experience. Yes, definitely. Um, uh, who's, who's involved in the property marketplace. Uh, they are going to be able to give you the best possible advice in how you should set up your own business. Because it's, as Richie mentioned, they do, you know, your individual personal circumstances will affect what's uh, the best way to go. And then um, you also mentioned about that, um, that, that importance um, of having that individual SPV for each of your developments. So it's ring-fenced, so it's controlled and isolated, and all the risk uh, is in one place. But also the fact that, yeah, the lenders like it. So commercial lenders looking in, it's all nice and clean for them. That's exactly what they want to see. And in the general scheme of things, for a property development, a relatively easy thing to do that your accountant can help you with, set up that SPV, and then close it Absolutely. down afterwards or recycle it. Fantastic. Richie, thank you so much for that. I'm afraid that's uh, all we've got time for in this episode. So please do join us again next time when we'll be giving you the inside track on another part of the, uh, the property world. In the meantime, please do feel free to check out our other episodes. And of course, you can visit our website, which is at propertyceo.co.uk. But until next time, it's goodbye from this Goodbye.